0: Hi guys, today we're going to be talking about ACL injuries, how they happen, how we can rehab them, and most importantly, how we can prevent them from happening. So, we're going to touch on a few points, primarily the injury mechanisms of uh, an ACL injury, the type of injury that you might sustain, the type of repair that might be required, the debate of repair versus rehab, the stages of repair, and finally the return to play process and how we get you back on the field as soon as possible. So just to give you a brief overview of what the ACL actually is, um, the ACL or the anterior cruciate ligament is actually a key ligament in knee stability. And what the ACL does is it's attached between the thigh bone or the femur and it attaches down into the shin or the tibia and what it does is it prevents or locks the shin bone or the tibia from overextending past its natural range of motion and it also prevents excessive rotation between that thigh bone and that shin bone. Um, The ACL itself is also associated with two other structures within the, the knee namely the medial collateral ligament or the MCL as well as the medial meniscus Uh, which is a shock absorbing pad within the knee Uh, and we'll essentially touch on that a little bit later and why that's important. So from an injury mechanism perspective historically you can suffer two types of injuries with regards to the ACL number one being a contact injury so for example that would be a direct tackle on the maybe the outside of the knee or a non-contact injury and there are multiple ways of suffering a non-contact injury that's predominantly the uh, greatest um, type of injury or type of ACL injury that that uh, footballers suffer uh, this might be anything from a sharp change of the direction or a cutting action while you're running it could be incorrect landing mechanisms so for example going up to compete for a ball being nudged slightly and landing on one leg at an awkward angle uh, or it might be twisting uh, with your foot planted so moving to to press uh, you take a step your boot uh, locks firmly into the turf um, and your upper body or your uh, center of gravity shifts in opposite direction and results in that twist um, symptoms of an ACL injury if you or someone that you know must suspect that they might have suffered an ACL injury um, generally you might hear or feel a pop in the knee there might be severe pain or swelling in and around the knee itself uh, and noticeably there'll be instability or what we call collapsing of the knee while you're walking climbing stairs or just weight bearing and essentially with these injury mechanisms this list of of non-contact or contact mechanisms as we said there's two other structures in the knee the mcl and the meniscus and these are associated with the acl in terms of injury So historically, what's been found is that there's a high chance of damaging both the MCL and the meniscus when the ACL is damaged. And if all three structures are damaged, it results in what we call the unhappy triad. And because there's a lot of structure in there and there might be damage to one or two or even three of those structures, uh, this might disrupt the gliding of the knee and you might find that you can't fully extend your knee or you you might not be able to fully bend your knee or there might be pain while walking. So if you have any of those symptoms um, or you find that potentially there's a locking of the knee, you need to seek medical advice from a doctor or physiotherapist as soon as possible. So if we talk about the types of injuries, we're gonna talk about three today. Number one is a partial tear of the ACL. And essentially what happens here, the ACL itself is still intact, but if you had to imagine a piece of string and part of the thread is removed or unraveled, but the whole string itself is still intact, that's what we'd be looking at. So again, the ACL itself is still intact, but part of the ACL might be torn or damaged. Uh, Your second type of injury would be what we call the avulsion tear. So again, the ACL is still intact from point to point, but what happens is where the ACL attaches into a bone, this piece of bone actually dislodges or is torn off the main bone itself. So this results in the ACL floating around in the, the knee joint while still intact. And finally, your third type of injury would be a full rapture. So this would be that piece of string, that piece of string is cut in half and the ACL is no longer intact uh, or, or lending to stability of the knee. So if we talk about the types of repair, now we know how the knee is injured, what type of injury the ACL, um, what type of injury that you might have suffered as ACL injury and now we need to look at how that injury uh, is, is repaired. So from a partial tear perspective, generally no surgery is required from this injury. Um, Generally that ACL will repair itself, this might take a few weeks to a few months, which is great news. From an avulsion tear perspective, this generally requires surgery and historically what happens is small screws are used to reattach that small bony piece back into the main bone itself and this might only take a few months to repair, which is great. Both of these in comparison to a full rupture, which does require surgery Generally, a graft is used to repair that ACL. Um, And if other structures such as your MCL or meniscus within the knee are also damaged, these will also be repaired at the same time, which may increase the recovery time by a number of weeks or a number of months. So historically, your ACL turnaround time uh, is anywhere between 9 to 12 months. And this is more of a conservative way of looking at it. As the ACL graft, which I'll explain to you now, Jenny takes about 10 months to fully mature and surgeons won't want to try and rush things too quickly. So from a graft perspective, you've now damaged your ACL. You need to have it repaired. How is this done? And essentially what surgeons do is they'll choose a natural graft from the body. So this might be part of your quadriceps tendon that they'll remove and use as an artificial graft the hamstring tendon or the patellar tendon and this is quite good because your body recognizes this uh, material as biological It's part of the body and uh, accepts this graft quite quickly some surgeons have been known to use synthetic grafts uh, which sometimes take and sometimes don't so each graft choice has varying results has varying recovery times and has pros and cons Uh, Each surgeon will have a preference in terms of which graft they want to use and they'll generally explain that to you So this all forms part of the educated decision process in terms of what route you want to take uh, in terms of the surgical process and uh, the rehab process itself So it's important to mention that there's actually a new trend that's appearing which involves non-surgical repair of the ACL so what some practitioners opting to do now is especially if you're in season at the moment um, or or playing at a high level, they'll leave the ACL damaged. They won't surgically repair the ACL. So if you have a full rupture, as long as there's no hindrance in terms of the knee mechanics, you can still bend, extend your knee. um, They'll focus predominantly on quadriceps strength to regain a bit of that that stability. They'll try to focus on a lot of proprioceptive work to make sure that uh, the the knee is, is solid and good. Um, and they'll try to get you back into football as quickly as possible. So that essentially they'll manage the swelling and they'll manage the pain. So the pros to this way of thinking is there's no invasive uh, surgery, so there's no scars, there's no uh, massive damage, and the rehab time is a lot uh, quicker, which means that you can get back onto the field a lot faster. The cons to this way of thinking is obviously there's no long-term research on the outcomes of this, this kind of practice. So there's always a possibility um, of issues further down the line so this might be anything from arthritis to cartilage damage etc at this point it's unknown and also due to the instability of not having an acl ligament there's potentially increased injury risk uh, which is something to also think about but from a surgical route of repair perspective um the level of damage within the knee determines how quickly you can rehab so this might be anything from a few days till you're back on your feet it might be a few weeks till you can weight bear it all depends on the structures involved but as i said before on average there's a 12-month turnaround time from a point of injury to return to play or, or back onto, your, onto the field process so depending on the graph type is varying rehab types, uh, so for example, using a quadriceps tendon versus a synthetic tendon will will vary your rehab times completely. So if we're to talk about the nitty gritty of the stages of rehab, um, where you start, where you finish, how you get you being back on the field. So your pre-operation step, uh, interesting enough, is to focus a lot on your quadriceps strengthening so due to not being able to use your your knee for a lot of exercise you generally find that there's a lot of muscle wastage within your quadriceps and what research has shown us is that if your pre operation strength is a lot higher generally your outcomes of surgery or your recovery times are a lot better so you'll always be advised to start strengthening the um, the quadriceps before surgery to try and make sure that that rehab time and recovery time is a lot faster. So once you've gone through the surgery process, you've you've discussed the process with your surgeon, you've chosen your graft type uh, and you've had the surgery itself. Uh, Generally, immediately after a a surgery or the the following day, a physiotherapist will start with you and start working on your range of motion. So this range of motion might be limited initially um, and you won't be able to extend your leg fully. And that's generally done to allow the graft to heal um, and obviously manage the, the incision sites. And often what happens is you'll be placed into a full leg brace. You might have to sleep with that brace, you might have to do some exercise with that brace, and that brace is there intended to limit your range of motion for the initial few stages of your rehab process. So once you get a little bit stronger, you'll start moving into your basic strength cycle. Here you'll focus a lot on your isometric strength. You won't be allowed to do full extension or extension exercises as yet, as the graph is still not strong enough. But you'll be able to do a lot of weight bearing, cycling, focusing a lot on your glute exercises and glute strengthening, as well as some straight leg raises with the brace on. Once you've progressed through your, your basic strength phase, which might take a few weeks, you'll move on to your intermediate strength cycle. Here you'll be allowed to do limited weighted extension with your leg and with the knee Um, you'll focus a lot on strength uh, stretching of the quad sorry using your opposite leg so for example lying on your stomach getting your foot under the injured leg and just curling up to increase that stretch you might be focusing a lot on walking uh, a lot of hamstring exercises and again focusing primarily on glutes here you also do a lot of re-education on an injured leg so you'll learn to walk properly again Get that mechanism of, of, of walking uh, or your sure what, would you, what would you call your uh, your walking gait uh, up and running. and once that strength starts to increase, you'll focus a lot more on your range of motion exercise and your stretching exercises. you'll move to more complex training you'll include a lot of coordination training. Um, extension exercises will be allowed uh, as long as your physiotherapist agrees with it. Uh, you'll move towards single leg work, so, for example hops and landings etc and then finally you'll progress onto your advanced strength after a number of weeks or months here you're going to transition more into your power and your explosive exercises you'll do a lot of single leg plyos a lot of advanced coordination and you'll start moving into straight line running now bear in mind this sounds like a, a very quick process but unfortunately it takes a, a lot of hard work and a large number of months So again you need to be directed by your fitness trainer or physical coach at your club, your club physiotherapist and your club doctor. So now we're arriving back into your return to play process and essentially this process will be primarily field based, it'll include a lot of ball work, a lot of change of direction, a lot of sprints Um, and again the advice would be that you still work on your glute strength. Primarily what will happen here is you'll work in conjunction with again your physiotherapist, doctor and strength coach and essentially you'll go through a testing cycle. What will do? they'll do here is they'll uh, require that you perform a number of tests to assess the strength of the knee, the explosive power of the knee, the endurance capacity of the muscles surrounding your knee uh, as well as the stability of the knee itself. Um, Assuming that you pass through this test with flying colors, um, you'll move on to potentially some light ball work, although you won't be allowed to do any shooting. From there, you'll do a lot of straight line running work, potentially some slalom work and change the direction. Then you'll move on to your accelerations and decelerations as well as sprints. And then finally from there, moving into advanced passing work. Here you might start to include some, some light finishing drills, uh, depending on your stage of rehab. So it's also important to remember that every player is an individual, they heal at different times and they progress through rehab at different rates. So what works for player A might not be the same as player B. Why that's important to remember is that you need to take your rehab process uh, slowly and uh, ensure that you are on the right track and progressing through these steps safely and efficiently once you've progressed through all this uh, hard work and ball work and and speed work and change of direction you might be allowed to become an extra man for example an outside man on the wall during a small sided game once you've been in that process for a number of weeks you might move more into a neutral player or a joker within small sided games or, or, or training and again once you've passed through this process for a number of weeks you might return to full training and contact training and just to finish off a number of points to remember in terms of this rehab process it's important to choose the course of treatment and uh, and graph type that suits you as i said every graph type has pros and cons or the non-surgical uh, method has pros and cons it's important to make an educated decision to have all the information and to consult with your surgeon to see which method works best for you. Once you've had your surgery or opted for the non-invasive method, it's important not to rush your rehab process. Be patient, it's a long road, and speaking from experience, it's well worth the wait to return back to training and back to playing fit and healthy as opposed to always worrying about re-injury. It's also important to be very serious about your rehab process. You aren't going to get better unless you take every day uh, as it comes and work hard every day to get back to where you were. It's also important to remember that you need to rehab both legs. There's a high, high chance of injuring your non-injured leg because you focus too much on rehabbing the injured leg. So your non-injured leg actually becomes slightly weaker and therefore has a high risk of injury. Finally, it's most important to come back better and stronger. Use the time that you have to rehab the knee sufficiently and properly. Don't rush the process and have your goal in sight of how you want to come back and get back to your playing. Thanks for the question. Uh, Keep your eyes on the MatchFit Conditioning page and uh, hopefully you'll see your question featured next.